are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another Locked On Podcast Network crossover. Brian Peacock here, host of Locked On 49ers. I'm with Chris Russell, the host of Locked On Redskins. It is a week seven matchup from the 5-0 49ers traveling into Washington to face the 1-5 Redskins. Uh, We were talking a little bit off the air, Chris, and the Redskins are on the board, but I guess not the most impressive W last week beating the worst team in the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, on a failed two-point conversion. Yeah, Brian, uh, you know, again, as I was kind of, you know, telling you, it's almost, look, a win is a win. We all know it's hard to win in this league, but there's no way to look at that as a win, realistically. I mean, (laughs) 17-16, they did everything they could to throw up all over themselves in the fourth quarter against Ryan Fitzpatrick, turning him into a modern-day Ryan Fitzmagic. Uh, And again, they should have lost that game if Kenyon Drake doesn't drop a two-point conversion because I have a feeling, I can't prove it, that he drags about six Redskins defenders into the end zone from the two-yard line and the Dolphins and Brian Flores win 18-17. Again, I can't prove it, but that's the theory (laughs) of Redskins conspiracy. And yes, yes, I make up my own conspiracy theories when it comes to this organization because they deserve it. It's been 27 years of horrible futility. There is uh, some conspiracies when it comes to trade talk, and there's some big rumors that just came down this afternoon as we're starting to record this podcast about franchise left tackle Trent Williams, who still has not shown up to Washington to play for the Redskins this season, and some rumors about him potentially going to the Browns. You're close to the team. I know you've got connections there. Uh, what are you hearing? Is there is there anything to that? Yeah, so it's early in this process, and maybe by the time people listen to our crossover Wednesday, maybe something more definitive will come out either way. But here's what I know. Um, you know, I, I've known Trent Williams since he walked in the door as the number four overall pick 2010, the first pick of the Mike Shanahan and Bruce Allen era. Uh, and, and Trent and I have always enjoyed a good relationship and an open relationship. He's been very closed off to the media. Uh, but I, I through through sources and contacts, I know he wants out still. This is not just about a contract. I know he does not want anything to do with the Washington Redskins, so I'm sure he's very hopeful that this report that came out of Canton, Ohio, um, that he could be on the Cleveland Browns soon. I'm sure he wants that to happen. I'm sure he would be open to playing with his former, well, his fellow Oklahoma Sooner, uh, Baker Mayfield, and certainly Odell Beckham Jr. and a team that wants to win now as opposed to whatever the Redskins are. Uh, but the Redskins, through the Washington Post at least, uh, on this Tuesday evening, Brian, are saying emphatically it's not true. Uh, I know there are other reports that say that's not true. I'll believe it when I see it. At some point, there's a benefit certainly to trading him. But right now the Redskins are enjoying the benefit, quite honestly, even though they don't have him. Uh, Donald Penn at left tackle is not playing too poorly, number one. And number two, they get a weekly cap credit that will roll over into the 2020 salary cap 
for Trent Williams' absence. Trent Williams is not costing them anything. They've recouped a, a, a good amount of cap money, quite honestly, already to keep Trent Williams grounded and also to derail his NFL career. So right now, today, I would be a little bit surprised if this happens a week and a half from now. As we get closer to the deadline, I could see it more realistically. Now, a lot of 49ers fans, as soon as they lost Joe Staley to injury and now a second offensive lineman going down in Mike McGlinchey, plugging in two right. young players at left tackle and right tackle, the thought was the 49ers have to make a call to Washington about Trent Williams. Aside from this Browns rumor that's out here, and it would be a very John Dorsey move, I think, for, for the Browns to go after a, a top left tackle, and boy, do they need it in Cleveland. We saw the 49ers and Nick Bosa dominate that offensive line. But have you heard any other trade rumors coming out? Have teams been calling? And it sounds like Bruce Allen has just had a flat no answer, even if teams were calling all year. Yeah, Brian, you bring up you know the the obviously the, the situation with the 49ers, and and the 49ers have been um, you know kind of on everyone's list around here for longer than just the Joe Staley and now Mike McClinchy situation. Uh, it's because of Kyle Shanahan. Uh, it's because the 49ers are obviously much more built to win right now and have cap room and so on and so forth. And again, that connection between Kyle, Mike Shanahan, and Trent Williams. Here's what I understand. Uh, my understanding is that Bruce Allen refuses to do any kind of deal with Kyle Shanahan. Now, maybe that could change down the line, but he, for whatever reason, well, not for whatever reason, he views Kyle and Mike Shanahan, Mike, Kyle's dad, as everybody knows, mm -hmm. uh, as being evil. And you just, <laughs> that's why they wouldn't even engage in trade talks for Kirk Cousins when everyone thought, and myself included, that the Redskins absolutely had to trade Kirk Cousins. We all knew Kyle had a man crush the size of whatever on Kirk Cousins before they pulled the trigger on the Jimmy Garoppolo deal, and Bruce Allen refused to even consider the negotiations. There is a lot of bad blood between Kyle Shanahan, the Shanahan family, and Bruce Allen, Dan Snyder, and the Washington Redskins. So I'd be surprised just because of that now listen if the 49ers offer you know multiple first round picks I, could 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 anybody bury the hatchet for that yeah and you should oh by the way now i can't see the 49ers being that silly uh, but i guess that's the scenario that i could see happening okay this is some good stuff we, we've got to step aside momentarily and i do want to get more into this shanahan sure. Washington connection there and talk a little bit about what's going on in Washington. We've got to get into some matchups with this week seven contest with the Redskins and the 49ers and of course make some predictions here on this game. And this podcast is brought to you in part by DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked on. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? Put that knowledge to use. If you're listening to this show, you're obviously a well-informed football fan. Whether you're betting on the 49ers, betting on some of the other games around the league, make yourself a little cash with MyBookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season... Bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. 
If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, this is a good time to tell the fellas out there about Blue Chew. Guys, do you remember when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. And they're made right in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, BlueChew.com, promo code locked on to try it free. BlueChew is the cheaper, better, faster choice. BlueChew.com, promo code locked on. We thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Okay, Chris, the, the Shanahan stuff, this is good. And I've heard these rumors and I kind of didn't believe it. I was like, these are professionals. There's not really this bad blood between Kyle Shanahan and Matt about getting his dad getting fired. And, and is there, so there really is some bad blood there in Washington with Bruce Allen and maybe even ownership and the Shanahan family. Sure, Brian. I mean, you know, you, you obviously covered the NFL as a whole, and then specifically also you've done, you know, such great work with the 49ers. So you know this version of Kyle Shanahan, the Kyle Shanahan that Redskins fans uh, know, <laughs> and maybe it's lessened now that it's 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 several years removed. But Redskins fans and though and and high end people in the building, most specifically Bruce Allen and and Dan Snyder. They have no love loss for the Shanahans and Kyle included in that, who was the offensive coordinator under his dad, Mike, because they feel they ruined Robert Griffin III, which is categorically untrue. It could not be any further from the truth. Robert Griffin III, Bruce Allen, and Dan Snyder, and Robert's dad ruined Robert Griffin III and expectations and pressure and hype and all that. Mike and Kyle Shanahan did nothing but help that young man turn into the 2012 phenom that he was. Moving beyond that, when things unraveled completely in 2013, you know, Kyle obviously was, he wasn't the public figure uh, that Mike was, his dad, in terms of leaking stories, but everyone knew he was not all in on Robert Griffin, so he was kind of caught up in the wash, and because Kyle and 49er fans know this, maybe they don't, um, he's pretty stubborn and he's pretty opinionated, even though he's a nice guy, you know, there was this this friction, this bad blood, uh, this dirty laundry that he, Matt LaFleur, now the Green Bay Packer head coach, uh, and Mike McDaniel, who's, of course, an assistant uh, with the uh, San Francisco 49ers, to a lesser degree, Bobby Turner, uh, who's with the 49ers as well, you, all of those guys that were Mike Shanahan guys, 
got basically labeled as evil and rotten apples and bad people and bad coaches. And we all know that not to be true, but that's how vindictive, sour people like Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen operate, quite honestly. And that's why there's been this friction for so many years. It's completely untrue. Kyle Shanahan did everything you could have asked him to do to help make Robert Griffin III into a great quarterback and to help to make the Redskins offense some lean years, quite honestly, with some lean choices at quarterbacks. You know, very productive, all things considered. Guys were constantly roaming free and wide open. They just didn't have the quarterback to get them the football. That's great stuff. And yeah, the talk with 49ers had always been that that was Kyle Shanahan's plan. They skipped on quarterback early in the 2017 draft in his first draft. They didn't draft Trubisky, and the word was that maybe Trubisky might have been the top quarterback that they had on their board, but they didn't draft Watson. They didn't draft Mahomes. They went for a defensive lineman there in the draft after trading with the Bears who went up and got Trubisky because Kirk Cousins was his guy. He knew that Kirk Cousins was going to be the guy he would sign, and he would just wait it out the first year and then signed Kirk Cousins. Then the Jimmy Garoppolo thing ended up happening. They made that deal around uh, around Halloween in 2017, and then the rest is history. Now we know who the right. 49ers quarterback is, and, uh, but that's just some really great stuff there, and I love hearing <laughs> all about that backstory. And it's, yeah. it's, it's wild that there is something to that because I thought, yeah, you know, it couldn't be that much of a deal, but I guess it was. And that also brings me to the question, how does a GM like Bruce Allen skate through another coaching change unscathed? <laughs> Well, we're Brian, we're all wondering the same thing. I mean, I've led the Bruce Allen is evil campaign for a long time, uh, and Bruce Allen is it should not be in charge of any NFL franchise. Uh, his record wow. is the obvious proof, but everything else, every bit of empirical evidence that I have uh, over the last ten years, and I'm not the only one, would tell you Bruce Allen is not capable of running running the Redskins. And again, the record it proves that out. It merits that out. Uh, if you if the record was good, you could say, well, you know, you could have these feelings about a person. You may not like that person, but they're doing a good job. In this case, you know, it, the the proof is absolutely in the pudding. He should, the, the, quite honestly, the truth is he should not be in charge of another head coaching search. I would never, ever ever allow him to coordinate another head coaching search again. Not that Jay Gruden was a complete failure, and obviously Mike Shanahan was brought in basically first, and Bruce Allen was kind of along for the ride, and Bruce has only grown in power uh, over the last nine and a half years. So the bottom line is, is Bill Callahan is Bruce Allen's kind of right-hand man, hand-chosen guy. Remember, they were together in Oakland and – they have a long history together, and and Bill Callahan and Jay Gruden didn't exactly see eye to eye. So there's this interesting transition phase between what the Redskins were last week and Bill Callahan now, who is, again, a Bruce Allen guy and didn't exactly see eye to eye with Gruden, and yet – the, the the and I know this is a long-winded answer. The real interesting thing, and and this is I'm sure interesting to everybody in the audience, is it, the the coaching change and the philosophy change didn't land with what most people wanted, and that was Dwayne Haskins starting at quarterback. And oh, by the way, he's not going to start a quarterback this Sunday right. against the San Francisco 49ers, and he shouldn't, quite honestly. So he is he's that far from being ready then, because that was the next thing on my list. We've got to talk about who's yeah. going to be on the field Sunday, and. It's going to be Case Keenum again that the 49ers defense will be facing, and it might be a smart move not putting Dwayne Haskins out there against this defensive line for the 49ers that is just uh, has been unreal so far this season. 
Yeah, and and you know, so so Case Keenum is going to be the starter, uh, barring some sort of. Uh, weird situation here in practice. Now, he has been dealing with a foot injury, so if something does happen in practice leading up to this game, I guess, theoretically, uh, things could change, right? Uh, but they obviously won. He he was about 50% in terms of completions. He definitely missed some throws, but he also hit on some big throws to Terry McLaurin, three big ones, including two for wide-open touchdowns. Here's the reason why Dwayne Haskins is not playing. And again, for everybody that made the argument he should be, well, Bill Callahan, again, had every right, every opportunity to put him in against a horrible Dolphins team and chose not to. Why? Because he is not ready. And this is what people don't quite understand about this situation. No, and that's, that's a fair answer. And it's really tough for fans to sit back and be patient when it comes to a franchise quarterback for a team that's not winning football games and Matt Williamson and I on the Locked On NFL podcast have had that conversation with Haskins and it's tough and that's why there was the Bill Parcell rules of drafting the quarterback that you want a guy that's already got a ton of experience because when experience is the thing your quarterback needs and he's not ready how do you get him experience if he's not ready to get experience and so it gets to be a pretty dicey situation and quarterback development curves are not linear so uh, this is a situation definitely that that might take a while but it it seems though on the surface that Haskins is a bit of a winner in this because it's the organization the front office that was really behind him and not so much the coaching staff absolutely no doubt about it I mean there were reports and I know I talked to people that strongly believe that Dan Snyder made that pick primarily I know Jay Gruden didn't want to make that pick Um, the quarterback he wanted was long gone, but he would have probably taken Montez Sweat uh, at 15. Instead, they made the the trade up to get Montez Sweat, which cost them next year's second-round pick. We can talk about all that. Um, But here's the thing. The reason why they didn't want him is just because of what you were just talking about. Again, the lack of experience and then getting him up to speed and getting him that experience so that you're not stunting his growth as opposed to helping see people just think well go out there and play and get your butt kicked and get your brains beat out that's going to teach you how to be in that no it's not it's going to teach you bad habits it's going to teach you bad footwork bad mechanics bad arm angle and quite honestly brian i've seen it all i don't know what matt has seen but i've seen all of that including week four against the giants where his foundation and his base is way off that's not how you succeed and play in the nfl it's a different level it's a different game and it's a much more complex game and I don't understand why fans don't get it and some media quite honestly uh, don't get it. especially when you look at going against this 49er defense with D Ford and, uh, and, and, and Eric Armstead and, and Buckner and, and all the different looks that they're going to be able to throw and uh, Robert Saleh is going to absolutely have an aggressive package no matter who's at quarterback and again the full expectation is it's Case Keenum could you imagine he would be a, like a lion with a 46 ounce t-bone steak <laughs> sitting on the opposite side of line of scrimmage on sunday if dwayne haskins was in there yeah this is definitely not the game you want to throw a rookie quarterback who might not be ready anyway against that front and the way the 49ers defense is playing like one of the best if not the best defense in the nfl especially i would put the 49ers defensive line up against any team in the nfl i do think they have the best defensive line in football right now and they're playing so good and they are on a roll i wouldn't want to put haskins out there for that um, and it's going to be a tough task even for Case Keenum. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about the guys on the outside because one of the bright spots right now for the Redskins is rookie wide receiver Terry McLaurin. He's got 23 catches for 408 yards, five touchdowns. 
He's been impressive every single week. I love the way he plays, too. And mm-hmm. I think the uh, the Redskins actually got a steal. It was a really good draft class for them, in my opinion, with uh, especially late with Kelvin Harmon, who yep. I think is going to be a guy who maybe is that number two wide receiver ends up starting down the road with Terry McLaurin. Do you agree there? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if he'll truly develop into a number two, but he has the potential to because he's going to be able to run all those intermediate routes and some of the short comebacks and crossers uh, and picks and it, using his frame. Uh, plus, he can go up and pluck some 50-50 back shoulder fade stuff. As far as McLaurin goes, you know, it's funny. I, I, the Redskins have absolutely drafted a lot better over the last two or three years, and that's largely because Kyle Smith runs their draft operation. For those that don't know that name, watch out. He's going to be a star. Uh, he is the son of longtime NFL GM A.J. Smith, the former Charger GM. Uh, he was with the Bills and the Redskins as top football executive as well. Uh, so he was rooted in the game. He knows SEC football. The Redskins have put a priority uh, on a lot of kids from down in the SEC and especially from Alabama. Not to say that either one of those two kids uh, came from those programs, but they have done a much better job of cultivating real, legitimate, smart, high IQ football talent. And that's when, when I say high IQ football talent, I'm, I'm guessing you would agree. There are football players, uh, and I've covered them. Zach Brown, who just got released from the Eagles, is a perfect example, who have great athleticism, great speed, great tackling, and they have no football IQ. Terry McLaurin has great speed, great versatility. He can play inside and outside, right, left, whatever you need him to do. Oh, and he might have the best football IQ that I've ever been around. Wow. And that's, I mean, and watch his route running. If you go back and watch the Dolphins tape, and, uh, and other tape, too. but And I know Xavier Howard wasn't playing on Sunday, so that made it a little... His route running is unfreaking real for a rookie who was taken in the third round. And, Brian, one last thing I'll add. The expectation was he would just be a core special teamer. He hadn't played a zero... He's zero snaps of special teams for Terry McLaurin because he's that good as a receiver. Yes, the Redskins need that help, and maybe if he went to the Patriots it would be different, but he's played zero snaps on special teams, and that was the primary purpose in drafting him in the third round. All right, we've got to move on. We've got to flip to the Washington defense versus the 49ers offense and how that matchup might look and then make some predictions here in Week 7. One of the things the 49ers have been able to do outside of last week is a little bit more difficult for them to run without their starting offensive tackles, without fullback uh, Kyle Juszczyk. All three of those guys will be out again this week in Washington. But the 49ers have been able to run the ball at will for the most part and get outside with that wide zone and really gash teams in the run game. What do you think Washington's defense is going to look like against that 49ers banged up offensive line, even though they're playing pretty well still with those losses on the line, which has been mind blowing all of the players they've plugged in, whether it's on defense with Emmanuel Mosley at cornerback, Daniel Brunskill at right tackle, rookie sixth rounder, Justin school left tackle. They've played pretty darn well. Do you see the 49ers having that success they've had most weeks running at will against the Redskins defensive front? Yeah, I'm really interested to see how how Kyle and and the offensive staff kind of, you know, hits the Redskins because I think the Redskins at times, uh, Brian, quite honestly, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne are 
really, really good athletes, really high, again, IQ football motor guys. Matt Ioannidis is another one of those guys. But one area that I think they can probably attack and expose this Redskins run defense is on the edges and the perimeter, which is where they're going to shoot for anyway. Ryan Kerrigan, as good as he is as a pass rusher, and he's off to a very slow start this year, he's always been guilty of over-pursuing the run, going too far upfield, being fooled on play action, bootleg, that type of thing, getting sucked in. And then on the other side, Ryan Anderson is a better run stopper than he is a pass rusher at this point. So, I, Brian, I think the, the bottom line of what I'm trying to get to is I think there'll be opportunities for the 49ers if they can cut back against the grain, maybe the Redskins over-pursue to try and pin one of the running backs in on that zone stretch game where they're they're conscientious of how they like to bounce it to the outside. But then maybe if you can get a quick cut against the grain and against traffic, the Redskins edge defenders, Kerrigan, Montez, Sweat, uh, Ryan Anderson, guys like that, even Cole Holcomb, a rookie inside linebacker, where they can – you know, possibly be, again, guilty of over-pursuing, and then maybe you can counter and cut back and have success that way if you're Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. What's going on in the secondary with the Washington Redskins? Linebackers, strong safeties. Is there a situation where uh, George Kittle has a chance to continue to go off? He had 100 yards receiving last week. He's also one of the best run-blocking tight ends in the league. I don't know if there's much you can do about a player as good as George Kittle, who's been the standout player and probably the best player on the 49ers offense over the last two years now. Um, He can make plays after the catch. He can get deep. Uh, He will block you. He will block you off of the TV screen. It's been a pleasure watching George Kittle play. Is there a scenario that Washington has found to be able to corral opposing teams tight ends? Um, it's a great question, and you're at, I, I love how you describe Kittle. He's so awesome. I love watching him. Um, look, the Redskins have been terrible at safety for a long time. Are they better with Landon Collins? Yes, but Landon Collins is not a great pass defender. And I, I continue to say I didn't understand why the Redskins felt the need to spend the kind of money that they did on a better-in-the-box type safety and a better attacking the line of scrimmage type safety like Landon Collins is because they don't even have a great free safety in Monte Nicholson. Monte Nicholson is one of those guys with great range and athleticism, but he's not, again, a in my opinion, a high football IQ guy, and he can often be caught in really bad predicaments. And I expect George Kittle to have a lot of success in that regard. I mentioned inside linebacker. you got a rookie in there uh, in Holcomb. Sean Dion Hamilton had a really nice interception last week, so maybe that helps, and maybe that's the guy that the Redskins primarily assigned to George Kittle. I'll be interested to see how that matchup uh, works. I don't think you're winning that matchup. What you, what you can't have happen is have Kittle kill you and then have – you know, one of the the 49ers receivers, whoever it might be, go off on a deep post and just beat Josh Norman like a drum. Because here's what I know. They're going to beat Josh Norman. The question is, is whether it's going to be for short, 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 you know, come back, quick hook, quick out, that type of stuff, or whether it's going to be a deep post or a deep go route like every other team in the NFL has been able to beat Josh Norman this year. I don't think they're going to be able to really have a lot of success on the other side with a guy like Quentin Dunbar, who's been really, 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 really good for two years now uh, and is healthy and is having a great year. I think Josh Norman, I think Monte Nicholson in or, and then maybe even, yes, Landon Collins, going to be the guys that this 49er offense are going to have is going to have some success in attacking on Sunday 
The one thing that the 49ers have not really hit their stride on right now is the outside passing game. The young wide receivers, Debo Samuel and Dante Pettis, still developing a nice game from Dante Pettis last week. Only three catches, but like the way he's attacking the football and playing with a little bit more urgency is what Kyle Shanahan wants to see out of him and his, and his young receivers there. And if I was Washington building a game plan against the 49ers and knowing the personnel, Landon Collins that you mentioned, a much better run defender than a pass defender, just sell out, do what you can to stop the run, put the 49ers in some down and distance situations and see if you could get Garoppolo to throw one of those interceptions to you Mm -hmm. as he's been prone to do. And the 49ers have been making some mistakes on offense this year. Overall, Garoppolo is still completing 70% of his passes. He hasn't played bad. There is a, a, a small whisper out there of people that think he hasn't played well he's been playing fine you would like a little bit better consistency they had a really bad game against Pittsburgh offensively where they turned the ball over five times but the defense was so good it didn't matter kept giving the ball back to him he had a bad interception in the end zone last week he missed a couple of throws he fumbled once late in the game which was maybe Kyle Shanahan probably should have just been running the ball anyway at that point which is another uh, I guess topic for another day and 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 we know the whole story about Shanahan and in maybe throwing the ball in games that he's leading when he doesn't need to. But yeah, but um, Garoppolo throwing, that's what I would do if I was Washington, make the 49ers beat you on the outside, make Garoppolo get it outside the numbers, get it down the field, make the young receivers beat you. And I don't know if there is a recipe for Washington to win this football game, but that would be what I would do and just sell out and, and try to do what you can to stop one thing. And if they beat you the other way, then that's fine. You know, and, and so that's the way I would go about it if I was Washington. But we do have to make some predictions here. And I don't know if Washington's in a situation where they can keep it within the 10 points right now that the 49ers are favored. One thing in Washington's favor is that it is one of those East Coast trips for the West Coast teams, which don't mm-hmm. always turn out well. It's a 10 a.m. start time Pacific but what do you have? Uh, 49ers blowout is what I'm predicting, even though it's on the road. Uh, 10 points, I think I would still give away 10 points and have the 49ers. I mean, they're beating everybody by 10 points anyway, even if you know, even when it's the defending NFC champion Los Angeles Rams. So I've got 30 to 10 49ers. Yeah, Brian, I, I, look, I think the 49ers are going to win. I don't know if they cover the 10 for all, a lot of the reasons that you just illustrated, not only the, the 10 a.m. thing, West Coast to East Coast, they'll fly in on Friday night, all that. Uh, I, I know Kyle Shanahan's going to want to absolutely try to do something to make another statement uh, and stand against Bruce Allen, Dan Snyder, and the Washington Redskins organization. I know he would love nothing more. Uh, than to do that. I just don't know if they can do that right now. Um, I think the Redskins' emphasis will be on stopping the run. Maybe they force, again, Jimmy G into some long down and distance. Maybe that leads to a turnover or two. But I still see the 49ers, the better overall team winning, but I'll say they'll keep it to under 10. So I'll say eh, 49ers, I'm going to go 20 to 23 to 16 is my final predicted score. So I'll take the Redskins plus the 10 but the 49ers to win the game. There you have it. That is Chris Russell of Locked On Redskins. I am Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Chris at Russellmania621. And of course, you can find both of our podcasts on your favorite podcast app. Chris, it was fun. Always great to do these crossovers and uh, good luck to you the rest of the season. Absolutely, Brian. Pleasure to chat with you. Thanks for doing this.